Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. That's one of my favorite things. Welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. A special thanks to our house band, Mr. Jorge Reyes on the saxophone. Yeah, All right, and and today we've got a very special treat for you, a vacation show. In order to take a vacation, we're making this shorter episode without guests. So we're still, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're like, you know, when you email somebody and it does the automatic reply yeah. that they're on vacation. This is the podcast version of the automatic reply. Right. Which Except is way for more then, entertaining. Yeah. then they email you back anyways and you're like, wait a minute, I thought you were on vacation. That's right. sort of that's sort of us. Because you know what it is? There's always that first time when somebody comes back from vacation that the automated reply happens and it reminds them, Oh, yeah. I got to shut the automated reply off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a very efficient system. But we are. Like, right while you're listening right now, we're on vacation. We're on vacation. This is our staycation episode, though, because we're it's a staycation because we're here right now. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't just record a regular episode a week early. We didn't record a regular episode a week early because... This one is easier to do because we have no um, we, we have no guests. We have no guests. So it's just so, me and you helping people through their lives. Yeah. And actually, we have a vintage thing from the vault, which we're going to get to yeah. uh, right away, which is kind of weird when you think of a you know a 12-week-old podcast that we have a vault. Yeah, we have a vault. And it's musty. Um, it's very uh, – we had to dust off some of these pieces for you. Um, our vault is very much like the one in the office of the National Enquirer. Right. There's a lot of really seedy stuff about everybody we know in there, and we right. like to let and them us. know. Oh, yeah. there's nature, naked pictures of me. <laughs> right. All inside that Very vault. Very disturbing, yeah. because everybody has access to that vault. I could not sell the, I couldn't give those naked pictures away. No, so you put them in the vault, where <laughs> everybody has to see them whenever we go to get something from the vault. Yeah. In fact, of, some of us feel a little pressed by those, and we would yeah. kind of like you to take them down, maybe, at some point. Because yeah. they can be in the vault. You don't have to hang them on the walls of the vault. There's people who won't even go in that vault. Yeah, I'm- That's I'm, how I keep my jewels safe. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I, I put them in the vault, right. uh, and, and people know the combination. That's not a problem, but they, but they realize- they walk in the vault. There's going to be naked pictures of Paul Poundstone. There like, is how much jewelry could she right. have? There is no precious gem. <laughs> there is no, uh, yeah, there's no amount of money that could make- that shot right. worth it, right? And some of them are naked. Some of them are your, you know, your your patented, thick, high waisted cottony briefs. Oh yeah, but yeah. to a certain select mem- <laughs> member of the population, that is quite a turn on. Yeah, right. yeah. So those are the people who might take your jewels. 
My yeah. diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Who took my diamonds? Well, so um, do, you, do we have any vacation advice for people to what to do or not to do on their vacation as long as you and I are going off to take a vacation? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Turn off your flat thing. Really? Yeah, don't take your flat thing on a vacation. What if you're going to a flat thing convention? Don't do it. Okay. I, I would totally advise not to go to a flat thing convention. Sure. But, you know, you're... Your handheld screen device, your flat thing, leave it, uh, you know, or at least at least turn it all the way off in your, you yeah. know, and leave so it. So that in, you can yeah. really enjoy the vacation. Exactly. Oh, and never, and let me stress, never Google on the beach. Google on, now, you're not saying never Google the phrase on the beach. No, never Be while on, you're on the beach. Right. Google. Why? Because it ruins a vacation. There's no Googling on the beach. I think that's a simple right, let's request. let's say your loved one gets bit by a jellyfish. Yeah. And well, you're on the beach. My impulse would be to take out my flat thing and go, is this a deadly jellyfish or not so deadly? See, I would go to the lifeguard. Really? Yeah. Because they know what to do. They have like a jellyfish salve right there in their they don't. in their butt pack. Yes, they do. They have a jellyfish what they salve? They have a je- jellyfish salve. Um, that's not what they put on you. They put that on the jellyfish. Well, to, the because, jellyfish, because it hurts to sting a person. <laughs> yeah. If the jellyfish gets injured, they rub it on oh, their, the um, their protoplasmic. Wow. Um, you just took yourself to a place where you have zero knowledge. That's not true. That, you know what I'm going to make for you right now? I'll tell you what. I'm for right, right now. Uh, a vacation balloon animal. I am making you a jellyfish. A jellyfish. You know, I, a I, thin I, layer of salve on the top of it. This is for you. I will give you this. This is one of your most accurate balloon animals ever. Thank you very because, much. Because, as I've told you in the past, you don't, in point of fact, know how to make balloon animals. <laughs> That's not true. But so this that looks like this looks like at least the top That's half of a That's what I'm doing on my staycation. Is you're going to finally learn how to make one of these? I'm going to Balloon Animal University. <laughs> Which is not a thing. And uh, yes, I am. I'm yeah. studying with Professor Poodle. Professor Poodle of Professor Balloon Poodle Animal Poodle U. Of, of, of BAU. Yeah, exactly. Of BAU, Professor Poodle. Oh, that um, is just a nest of lies right that, there. No, it's entirely true. Okay, well. So, all right, so here we are at the vacation episode. And we're going to kick things off with a review of the original movie so you don't have to see the sequel or might want to see the sequel. I, I think our producer writer, Ken Lizebnik, titled it So You Don't Have to See the Sequel. Yeah. Because um, I think he knows that you pretty much don't like anything we've watched so far. But, yeah, so but we the, have the, really not picked winners so yeah, far. The original point of this was that we see the se- we see the original right. when the sequel is about to come out. Exactly. And then you and I will advise the listeners as to whether they should bother seeing the sequel. Right. And and this is based on the notion of people always say, well, the first one was better. Right. Right. So if the first one already sucked. Then it's going to be exponentially worse. It's just going to be downhill from there. Second one. And so, what happened was a lot of people don't know this, but we actually did prepare for this podcast before we started. Yeah, there was (laughs) there was a lot to listen to. There was a lot of preparation. It's in the vault, and we did. It's in the vault, and we did some test shows. And one of the test shows we did way back in February of 2018, if you can cast your mind back to those heady days, yeah, um, was we pioneered this segment. The movie review thing. The, the the segment that we have coined, review of the original movie so that you don't have to see the sequel. That's what we've titled it. No, that's what Ken titled it, and I it's think a, it's a terrible it's title. A, it was a clever name, and no, I'll tell you something. It gives away the ending of the review no. is what it does. And if, it's no. a spoiler in a review. <laughs> that's not true. Which is kind of amazing. No, and if I have another cat, that's exactly what I'm naming it. Really? Review of the original movie so that you don't have to see the sequel. That's, that's what a great yeah. name for an animal. Yeah. Anyway, so in February, the movie Pacific Rim Uprising, the sequel to Pacific Rim, was poised to come out. Yeah. And it and um, so if you want to- And Adam was excited about it. Keep that in mind. 
<laughs> yeah, that's another spoiler to this upcoming review. But yes, I had already seen the movie. But the movie has now come out on home video. So uh-huh. we figured like this this moment right now during this vacation episode might be a great moment to see what we advised about Pacific Rim Uprising back then. <laughs> is time now for advice on movie sequels you should maybe not see or maybe see. That catchy, is a, that's a catchy title. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah, we're uh, taking it, submissions it, on those. Yeah, well, but, but it is a segment, segment that we feel title. strongly about. You and yeah. I have talked about this. It's it, What we're going to do is movie sequels are coming out all the time. So as a public service, Paula and I are going to watch and review the original film to tell you whether or not you should see the sequel. So coming this spring is the sequel to a film called Pacific Rim. It's called Pacific Rim Uprising. And um, I, I'm a fan of Pacific Rim. It's the 2013 American sci-fi film directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it's set in the future where Earth is at war with colossal sea monsters which have emerged from an interdimensional portal on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. You know, the usual stuff. Now, Paula and I took the time to view this film together to see if you should see its sequel. Paula, your thoughts on Pacific Rim? Well, if you're trying to have a friendship uh don't suggest that they see this movie <laughs> wow that's uh, I, uh, you know the, I okay the, that. It, it actually it was very fun seeing it at your house in the beginning of the movie yeah um and this is before like the title sequence yes um there's like it, 10 minutes before the title yeah it was very so there's a guy talking who turns out to be like the main character and he's talking uh, him and his brother are in some sort of bunkery thing, and he begins saying, he says, he had always thought of aliens as things that came from outer space, right. but in fact, they come from, you know, under the ocean. An interdimensional portal that opened under the ocean, sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which many of us have always suspected. Right. And, uh, but then he proceeds to say, he says, you know, my brother and I, and they're these very, you know, they, as he's talking, you're seeing them, um, and they're getting up to go into action. And they're both, of course, incredibly buff. Yes. Um, and he says, you know, my brother and I, we weren't good students. We weren't particularly good students, he says. We weren't athletes. And we were not athletes. And meanwhile, you're looking at these guys that are just ripped. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, this is great news for every couch potato viewer watching this movie right now. Because they end up being heroes. And you're like, well, great. Uh, you know, I can just put... So that was your takeaway from that opening? That, my takeaway they were, they were laying the op- a lot of plot pipe there, too. Like, you know... In order to combat those sea creatures, they had to create this class of giant robots that needed two interlinked people to control them because they were so big. Well, any yeah. Of that, any of that resonate with you? Well, I don't care about that part. What I okay. cared about, the reason I think that the film would have been popular is that right off the bat, they lower the bar for every single person watching. They go, oh, wait, you can be a lousy student. And a lousy athlete. And a lousy athlete and still be a hero. And I think that just makes Americans gravitate to a film. Uh, that could be it. So, that could be part of its appeal. And beyond that, and Adam had said to me, he said, well, because of this director. Guillermo del Toro. He said, that's why, even though it's an You know, like action, how I do it the NPR way? Because I noticed that in NPR, they, they've decided now that whenever we say somebody's name who's not like an Anglo-Saxon, what we're going to do is we're going to do a somewhat insulting parody of what we think that language might sound like. Uh, yeah, no, you sound like you're. Um, Guillermo del Toro. 
Yeah. You, yeah. you sound like you're, you're announcing one of the buffet foods yeah. at over-the-border restaurant. Yeah. But you know what? And I noticed that they, that they leave certain ethnicities out of that on NPR when they, when they do that. Like, nobody ever says, and now with the financial report, welcome, Mario Bartiroma. Oh, they, they, they don't, don't do, they don't do Italian. fake Italian right, accents. Yeah, and, and, you yeah. know, and, and they, oh, oh, it's Pat McCluskey here with movie reviews. They don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, 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 I'm becoming you. I'm digressing. No, go, no, go on, no, that's on. a very important point. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, well, so, so the director, Guillermo right, del So Adam said, well, this is why the characters will be given more time to develop. Yes. Which, by the way, I would think that came from the writer, not the director. But anyways. Okay, fair uh, enough. The, I'm the, a writer. The characters didn't develop any more than any other action movie character you've ever seen. There was the unlikely hero. Yes. Uh, it was that very common now, uh, what is it called, Armageddon sort of theme. Sure. You know, it's going to be the end of the world. Right. A lot of nosebleeds in this film, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, what I There suspect, was a lot of nosebleeds. Yeah. Every time somebody, like a huge monster would crash down, they'd knock over entire buildings, tons of real estate destroyed, ocean crashing in, all sorts of horrible, awful things happen. And a guy's, you know, the character who you're interested in at the time, his tie is now, you know, it's kind of sideways and he has a nosebleed. Yeah, that's kind of a movie thing. But, you know, that's a universal movie language for something bad with your brain. Oh, is that like true? The nosebleeds never have anything to do with like bad sinuses. I mean, it's, oh, it's like something's yeah. gone wrong. And in this movie, they had their brains wired up to giant radioactive robots. I would just love for one of the characters, after all the horrible things happened and the destruction, and I just love for one of them to take out a Kleenex and go, my God, it's dry. Just, yeah. Yeah. you know, am yeah. I the only one that's just dry right now? I feel like that would be a mixed message. I think they're trying to convey brain stuff, and what that would convey yeah. is it's really just, dry uh, air conditions. Yeah, well, it's a, you know, I think it's a... Okay, the main character has uh, a beef, so to speak, yeah. with uh, another character that's in this, you know, bunkery place that they're in at some point, and there is absolutely no reason for them to have any kind of a... Tiff, it's just clear that the script needs that. There needs to be like this. Yeah. You know, because the big monsters of, don't talk. Right. So Which they is can't kind be, of a problem with any one of these movies. Yeah, yeah, they can't really be monsters. the antagonists. Yeah. 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 So, you don't go into that other dimension and see these these aliens plotting. No. And the other thing, okay, one of the things I noticed right away is that from the very first, before, again, before the title sequence even ran, these brothers are told... They're going to go rescue, like, Japan, yeah. and they're told there's a fishing boat with 10 people on it that are in jeopardy. And their commander says, don't go to the fishing boat. Go to get the rest of Japan saved. Okay, I'll, right I'll say away, two things about that. Number right one, away, the, command- the brothers go, let's go get the fishing boat. That shows their humanity, their essential humanity. They will save even six people, even though That's the commander's That's not humanity. Them. That's not following directions. That's true. It's I'll point out two little things. The, the, the commander was Idris Elba, who's terrific, I think. And I don't know Idris Elba. I'll introduce you sometime. And then, no, he was, he was great in, like, The Wire and stuff. He, he, I didn't uh, see The Wire. Oh, he was terrific in it. And, and the, uh, the location was, rather than Japan, Alaska. Oh, was it Alaska? Yeah. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life, right now I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince, of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our 
class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European, and you can get those kind. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, fourteen karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. 
plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. The other thing is I often couldn't tell the difference between the big machines of the good guys Right. Which were um, the Jaegers. The Jaegers. The machines were called Jaegers. Yeah, they're yeah. called Jaegers. I sometimes couldn't tell where... Who, I think the Jaegers knocked down as many buildings as the... Uh, what were the bad guys? The Kaiju. Kaiju. Yeah. Yeah, the Kaiju, which were more sort of lizardy. They were the interdimensional beasts that were coming to destroy the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they seemed to have no other plan than that. No, no. They the didn't. whole plan was just destroy the planet. Well, and what yeah. we learned and then, later on, and then you build, might have fallen asleep. And but. then build some hotels. Who does that remind us of? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know, they it never, was, the it was is, kind they, of a biopic, really. It was a subtle biopic. Sure, that must have been what it was. It yeah. was a... It, they never got to the hotel building, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we did manage to... You know, there's so many sci-fi movies where what you have to do is close the portal. There's yeah. always a vortex or a portal yeah, or an interdimensional doorway, yeah. and you have to close this. This is one of those classic close-the-portal movies. And then, of course, the, the commander who's about to die has to make the speech where he gathers everyone 
who most of whom you couldn't tell what their job was, even though they're all working so hard. He gathers them all together <laughs> in this sort Maintaining of... Maintaining giant robots is yeah, pretty much in the, the job. giant robot maintenance area. And he says, now we all work together. And as if they had not been working together before to save the earth. Now, today, it's, you know, we all work together. Oh, come on. You can't have a problem with that. I did have a problem with really? that. Really? So you yeah. think, like, uh, the Super Bowl is about to pl- be played, right? So you think, like, before the Super Bowl, it's okay if the coach just doesn't say anything to the team. Because they've no, played together for a while. Not something lame like that. Well, this, this I, I hope saving he's not going to say, let's go out there and run and throw the ball. That's pretty much what they say. I mean, it's a really... Yeah, what do you and think the, they do? And the players they, go, they, they, they what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> run it's, and throw the ball? It's reinforcement. It's, you know, it's... Oh, it's Jesus, their whole spirit. lives they've heard run and throw the ball. I'd love to have a football coach go out and go, today, protect your heads. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> just for God's sakes, no matter what, protect your heads. So many of the elements of this movie do not appeal to you, such as... I didn't like that, you know, sort of the phony adversary. The phony adversarialness to prove uh, as they were vying for a position. I didn't like the we don't listen to our commander right off the that, bat. That the really bugged you, which oh, is... Well, it did, because Arguably, just about every died. action film, the rogue guy who doesn't listen to the commander is a kind of important figure. Yeah, yeah. And let's, and let's go to real life and see how often that's true. You know, okay. like, you know, it's right. You go to you now cut to an elementary school and the kid who doesn't listen sits in the hallway. So so your ideal action movie would be a couple of guys who f- play by the rules, never step out of line and don't talk to their commanding officer before the big fight. It sounds like a Hold terrible on a minute. Do you, do you have a pencil? I do. I'm I'd like to write that, that down. I, I, I think I'm telling you something. This could make a very unique pitch for a film. Yeah. You're a loose cannon, Wilson. No, I'm not. I'm actually a good rule follower. Oh, yeah. well, me too. Let's get lunch. That's how it works, Adam. That's exactly how it works. The, 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 these... I'm, uh... I guess we got to get to the advice portion of this, and I suspect our advice okay. is going to be different. My advice is, yes, yeah. Here know. comes a sequel, Pacific Rim Uprising, which will not be directed by Guillermo del Toro. No, but um, wait a minute. Didn't they already seal off the portal, and now there's another uprising? What happened? That's something that actually gives me some trepidation. Number one, lack of del Toro-tude. Number two, they already blew up the portal. Right. So yeah. now you have to lay pipe and Portal. open up another portal. Portal's done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know the kaiju have to come back because it's not really, it's just giant robots with no yeah. reason to exist. Yeah. Raison d'etre. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it should be uh, Pacific Rim 2, now we rebuild. Pacific Rim 2, this time FEMA does it. Right. <laughs> Pacific Rim 2, the contractors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 These these contractors follow directions. <laughs> well, I'm going to flip over the cards and let you know that's not the plot of the upcoming one. And based on the fact that it's kind of going to be the same movie, more or less, again, would you say see it or not see it? I would say I don't even see the first one, for God's sakes. <laughs> okay. That's... I would say, yeah, I would say do yourself a favor. And skip both movies. If you skip can go back in time movies. and skip the first one, you would say do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I would say see it uh, with, with the caveat that without Del Toro and with a director who's never directed a movie before, I'm a little skeptical. I liked your dog and your cat that kept coming to the door while we were watching. I yeah. thought that was the best part of the film. But they wanted to see the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wow, 
thank you, Jorge Reyes. You're working, you're fitting in just great down here at Ray Horseman Studios. I think, it's, and you and Ray seem to be getting along well, which is great. Yeah. Um, on the saxophone, together. house band, Jorge Reyes. Um, so that was our review of Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, Wow. Now, it, it, it's keep in mind, it's not in theaters now, so don't rush out to see it. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, it already it already hit the theaters, and it was considered a bomb, I guess, compared to the original, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, yeah. Who's, that's the guy, by the way, that won... Eventually uh, won that Oscar for... Best director for, uh, what was it, The Shape, Shape of, of Water, Water. which yeah. someone on Twitter... The Shape of Water, for those of you who may not have seen it, was a, a, a it was an odd love story between a woman and a sea creature. Yes. And uh and a, some, a humanoid sea creature to be fair. Um it was a sea creature. It wasn't like a jellyfish. It was, no, it wasn't a jellyfish, but it was a been weird. sea creature. Yeah. And uh so somebody on They, they had uh, a mutual love of eggs. Somebody on Twitter uh called it grinding Nemo. Yeah. Uh, which, that was that was great. There were some I, really I good ones. Grinding Nemo brilliant. was my favorite. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but he won the Oscar for that. He didn't win it for Pacific Rim. The, uh, Hard the sequel, to believe. The, the sequel to Pacific There's Rim. There's no justice. Was considered, I guess, a bomb, although it did gross $290 million worldwide. And yet it was considered a bomb. And $290 million, uh, how would you compare our podcast to that in terms of income? Oh, we're right up there with them. We're just like a 289 point something million short. Yeah, close enough. Point. Yeah, yeah, Close yeah. enough for, More or yeah. less the same level of success as yeah. the Pacific Rim Uprising. So yeah, some days not- I'm, you know, some days when I go to leave my house, um, it is so hard to cram all that money into my back pocket. That's, yeah. it's been tearing at the seams of my pockets. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a problem I'm having. Only true in a world where we're both wearing very tight pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in the pictures, in the vault. Right. Right, yeah. that picture of me has to come down, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, house band Jorge Reyes. Um, Paula, because you dispense advice on this show, uh, we've had listeners email us with questions they'd like you to weigh in on. And tonight, we're going to open up the mailbag and get some of your answers. Paula's answers to listener questions is the ad hoc title we have come up with. We're terrible at titling segments. I don't think that's a terrible title, Paula's (laughs) answers to listeners' questions. All right, Paula's answers to listeners' questions. Jorge Reyes, can we have some mailbag music? All right. Thank you, Jorge Reyes. I, you can even see Ray Horseman was grooving to that one. All right. Here's the first question. Elias from... It's a great song, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, we built this city. <laughs> Elias from Potomac, Maryland asks, quote, how do I get rid of bugs in the bathroom? There are spiders, crickets, centipede, and Logie houseflies in there. Now, I'm assuming, Elias, that you've already tried leaving dead bug bodies around the bathroom. As an example? Uh, as, a, as an example, that, yeah. That never works with bugs, Paul. Oh, it does. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You have have to, you done this in your own mind? I have, and you got to see the look on an ant's face. <laughs> when it sees a dead ant? Yeah, when they realize a Logie fly has recently passed. Oh, you wow. know, ants don't like to say the word died. They say past? Yeah, past. They're very sensitive about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, moved on. Any, yeah, okay. You know. So 
but, but you have lots of uh, critters in your house. I have an almost, you know, for a while we, uh, you know, we were having a, a, a section of the show called What's Paula's Infestation This Week? Right. <laughs> Again, um, testament to our amazing segment naming abilities. Yeah, yeah. We can we can brand like a mofo here, and nobody listens yeah, to all the people. Stuff. People love our segments. A lot of times when I walk down the street, people say, "Oh my gosh, that's the woman." That's a, such that's, a well named segment. Yeah, that's yeah. the woman who does the segment. Uh, what's Paul's infestation this week? And they and they love that. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, I've had a lot of bugs. Uh, um, I actually. Never really came up on my own with how to get rid of them. Um, no, but we've had experts on the show. We have had experts on the show. We had somebody talk show. to you about the bees in your backyard, which you like. Right. About the logie flies. The logie about flies, About the rats yeah. eating your um, Well, they say that nectarines. the logie flies are after food. Um, they're yeah. just not quickly after the food. Yeah. They, you know, Or and, they're full. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> are they ever full? You could be catching them after you know, they've eaten your they're food. They're like an overloaded helicopter. You know, as they fly, yeah. they sort of keep dipping towards the floor. <laughs> like, um, in fact, they could be in the range of even a lazy but somewhat motivated cat, and yet your cats never touch No, them. my cats won't help. But I have found, and I've mentioned this on a, a previous show, that um, when they land, they really are so logy right. that you can sometimes just thop them with a finger. Thop them. Um, I mean, I'm not a big uh, bug killer, um, but I... But it's hard to resist thopping I, you know, I don't know. Those logy flies are just so awful. Well, it's just insulting that they think that they can be that slow and around and fly around your house. Yeah. I mean, honestly, lots of flies, you can open the door and they'll fly outside, but not the logy fly. The logy fly is not a bright fly. No. No, it's um, not a smart fly. I think so. the only stupider fly is the crane fly, which I believe I mentioned on a separate yeah. episode as well, who don't seem to really be able to distinguish between air and wall. Yeah. Yeah. They're just flying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, but... Fortunately, somebody uh, more knowledgeable than us has weighed in. Producer Tony Hull, and that's, she's related closely to Tony Anita Hull, contacted our bug expert guest Jordan Leach of Unbug Me Pest Control. And oh, Jordan, he was great. He was terrific. And he, he was on weighed, a former episode. And so uh, so Tony called him for us to, right. to help answer uh, Elias's question. Um, he said that uh, uh, for the bathroom, and I believe that's where he said there was a problem, um, yeah. there are a couple of hot points people should look out for. I right. think right away the toilet. Um, you know, yeah. nothing frightens me more than the idea of any kind of creature um, coming up through the That might through the threaten, threaten you, but it's not something that happens a lot. Outside of, say, like, sci-fi channel movies. Uh, no, you sharks. see it on local news stations all the time where, like, a uh, snake. A weasel came out of a, yeah. Yeah, no, a snake or a large spider came I, up. I would say they're on the news channels because those are uncommon events and thus news. Yeah, but, Whereas they, but it happens events, like, a lot. I don't And think they it show, does. like, the traumatized... Um, well, it, yeah, the eliminator. Let's say eliminator. Uh, sure. They say the 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 bare bottomed eliminator right. with their eyes bugging out of their heads. I think horrified. it's amazing that we have Jordan Leach's answer in front of us and I still in this can't script, get to and it. you got it wrong. Because I didn't get it, it wrong. It turns out it's not the toilet. It turns out Jordan Leach is there that that. At the base of a lot of tubs, there are cracks and crevices where the porcelain or whatever meets the ground, and those are the cracks you should seal up with caulking. Um, oh, right. seal so them that's up one, with caulking. Yeah, that's one of your that's one of your hot points. Another hot point is um, doors and windows. You should make sure that there are no cracks or openings in the wood because the wood might have rotted a little bit or something, or uh -huh. just opened up a little bit, and then yeah. critters can get in Next there. Next thing you know. Uh, insects pouring through like it's like right. it's a, like it's a Pacific Rim portal 
Right. Like wow, well, see, like that a, movie had an effect on you because that's been it's yeah, been months it's since you saw it. Horrible movie. Anyway, another thing that will improve the condition of your area is by simply mopping the floors. Yeah, I feel like in that's this, a little insulting to yeah, our in listener right Yeah, in this area, I feel Jordan has lashed out at Elias. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Elias, like, how about, how we want to apologize. Just, yeah. <laughs> Elias, how about you just clean your bathroom, for God's sakes? Yeah. 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 I, we did not invite you on to insult our listeners. Yeah, um, and what he said specifically was sanitation will greatly improve the conditions of the area. He says by simply mopping the floors. You know, it's simple for some, but apparently not for uh, Elias. Uh, Elias. Well, at least that's um, what Jordan thinks. Oh, oh, if there are spiders in the bathroom, which it seems like that's one of the things in your bathroom, they're most likely collecting in the windows or collecting the what? They're, no, they are collecting. Like what? Like no, they hummels? Have the they have co- hummels? They don't have hummels. No. <laughs> yeah. Spiders don't you collect know, hummels. There's nothing more delightful when a spider has assembled uh, hummels there yeah. in your windowsill in your bathroom. Yeah, Why not... would you want to get rid of that spider? Well, if your He's spider done a lovely is, job. is either collecting hummels mm. or mm. weaving yeah. weaving clever messages yeah. like some pig into it, then you leave the spider alive. Look Other at these one. antique thimbles. Aren't these delightful? Who yeah. put them here? That's not the kind of collecting that, that um, is being talked about here. But... Um, they they like they like the uh, baseball they, cards. They love baseball cards. No, no, no. Yeah, they, don't. they have just, a they collect in the window the baseball. Oh, look at Babe Ruth. Jordan says just take a duster to it. Okay, so yeah. so either dust away the webs or dust off those Hummel figurines. Jesus. Right. Jordan must Jordan must think that Elias is like an idiot for having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just dust the wind. If you got cobwebs, dust the wind. He does sound impatient here because he says he says he moves on to houseflies and say houseflies are looking for food and water again. Wiping down the walls, throwing out trash, and reducing moisture. Wiping down the walls, and they're looking for food. Like, who has food all over their wall in the bathroom? I don't know if you're feeding your baby in the bathroom, maybe, and they're flinging creamed spinach or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, the problem could be that your spider has a collection of antique fruits and vegetables. Right there, and then that's where the flies would come after uh, that. Again, probably not. And 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 of course, um, he, he goes on to say that if none of this works, you probably have to contact somebody like him. Yeah. Now I do admire. Oh, that, I think well, we all saw that coming. Well, you know, he did take the time to write many paragraphs about how to take take care of pests yourself. He did before he finally said, "Oh, for God's sakes, Elias, just call me." Yeah. Yeah. No. No. At first, uh, honestly, he did not suck up to Elias. I mean, the first thing he did was just humiliate the man over and over again. <laughs> Clean your bathroom and stop eating in there. And stop yeah, rubbing maybe, food maybe on your, your walls. Maybe put your pantry somewhere other than next to your toilet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And 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 uh, yeah. And if you're um, what are those plates? What are the what are the what are the plates from the Franklin Mint? Yeah, that's the Franklin you're Mint. Still plates. on the spider collecting. Yeah, the spider collected the Franklin Mint plates. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I say we move I on. I have to the next three question. Stooges and Sound of Music uh, Franklin mint plates. Well, maybe you're a hanging spider. in my, but they're hanging in my kitchen. Okay, well, let's move on to our next them. question. Yeah, shall we? Yeah. Susan Bernardo asks Paula this: Do bees have noses? I do not mean do they have a thing like a nose, though that would be fine to know that too. But literally, do they have noses? Where on their faces or bodies the nose resides would not be a disqualifier in calling it a nose, would it? I don't think so. But I think that leads to the important question, do bees have plastic surgeons? I was going to go with, is 
Is Suzanne Bernardo stoned? I'll tell you, no. Because <laughs> no. doobies have noses. Thinking back to my college experience, oh. that's a dorm room thought at oh, 1 a.m. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't go to college. Oh, yeah. So a lot of these thoughts just creep up on me during, the, <laughs> during my adult life. Um, yeah, no, Beverly Hills bees um, do have noses. They um, do? Yeah, and they start out large, and mysteriously, one day they show up smaller. And they're like, oh, I don't know, I just had a deviated septum. Yeah. Zzz, zzz, zzz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my impression yeah. of a Beverly Hills bee. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I didn't even accept him. I had to have this operation. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. You know, thank you very uh, much. Yeah. So you went to college? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I specialized Jesus. in bee impressions. Yeah, that was uh. really good. You went to BU. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So, what did we? What did we? Uh, we do have an answer for this. Uh, you know, they have to have noses. I already know the answer. Why? Because they have to have something to blow um, uh, for, during uh, because of their uh, pollen allergy. Yeah, you, you know, they're all right. The pollen makes them congested. All right, a it doesn't, and, they, and it does. Pollen no, makes bees them... are the last creature on earth that would be allergic to pollen. It would be like no. a lactose intolerant cow. You don't know because. <laughs> I have a birdhouse full of bees right. in my backyard. And they're constantly sneezing? And they're, their whole lives is... <laughs> I would say And that. if they're from Beverly Hills, they go... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways, okay. So, they suddenly yeah. have, I just picture these bees suddenly not only having like smaller noses, but enormous breasts. Uh, and, and, enormous breasts? Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. they're getting a lot of plastic. Oh, they get a lot oh, of work done. Plastic surgery. Yeah. And I just thought you were inspired by my pictures in the vault. I was um, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, for, for the record, well, you're really not a flatter girl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> For the record, an exhaustive Google search uh, tells us that this tells us this about uh, for the record, an exhaustive Google search tells us this about the bee and its potential nose. The honeybee has two antennae attached to its forehead. Each antennae is Isn't thousands it of tiny. Antennae. Uh, it's spelled antennae. Yeah, but that's not how the natives say it. What natives of what? Bees. Other bees. <laughs> I anyway. have a bee. I have a birdhouse full of bees in my backyard. That doesn't know, make you an expert. Exactly, that makes you a lady as a bad birdhouse. I know exactly how they say <laughs> I te- anten- antennae. Oh, because when they're talking to each other, they say, "Hey, how's your antennae?" No, they go. I like and that because they're pollen allergies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and they say that that these antennae or antennae, which is wrong, have thousands of tiny sensors that detect smell like a nose does. And bees also have a proboscis sticking out, which is usually the nose of a mammal, but in this case, it's an extensible tubular sucking organ. Ew. It's like, it's like it, they look like those like New Year's Eve noisemakers that unroll when you toot them. Yeah. And so when a bee is feeding or drinking, its proboscis unfolds to form a long tube that the bee uses to sip like a straw. Those are not straws. Well, they're not straws, but they're no longer allowed to do this in Santa Monica because of the straw ban. <laughs> That's right. We're very. Yeah. Um, I, no, wait a minute. So they don't have. So the way they smell. Right. Um, is uh, through the antennae. It's through the antennae. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So 
But the thing, the thing like, where their nose would be that looks a little nosy is like their sucky straw. Uh-huh. So, like, for example, my, you know, my dog uses the bathroom in the, in the backyard, honestly, right over near right. where the birdhouse filled with the bees is. So when the bees come out and there's fresh dog waste there, um, they pinch their antennae with their uh, hands. Right. So they're, like, they're like, oh, gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they talk like that. Right. <laughs> They're like <laughs> similar to the bees after their plastic surgery on their proboscises. Yeah. That's congested bee buzzing. You know what is interesting in that? Um, oh, I if can't pro- breathe. Is that when you give a bee a proboscis job? Yeah, they can't eat as much. So for a Beverly Hills bee. A nose job is like win-win because oh, they get you, the weight loss. You lose as well. weight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you look so good, Miranda. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. I have a deviated septum. <laughs> had, had my nose done. <laughs> and now I can't eat, but I feel great. Well, you look great. Thank you. <laughs> Do you smell that dog waste? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't anymore. No, wait, no, that's different. That would be the antennae. They probably don't get antennae jobs. No. All right. Let's move on to the next question. I think okay. uh, you're going to take this next one forward. Next question right? is fantastic. Okay. Uh, uh, here's another question. And it is from John in Ohio. Uh, John writes, there's a pretty girl who rides my bus to work every day. It doesn't have many riders. I haven't spoken to her because I'm not a morning person. I'm autistic and tend to be awkward, and I thought she was too young for me. I'm 41 and feared she was half my age, but recently I saw her on Bumble, uh, which is a feminist swipey dating app, and I don't think she's too young for me after all. How do you decide? That's another question. Interesting. She has a punk or goth look with tattoos and piercings, including her septum. Uh, I probably look more like a nerdy white guy. I've never had a girlfriend, and I have a hard time not looking at her when she gets on the bus because she's so pretty. Um, pretty. But I've, I'm always afraid anything I do will come off as creepy or awkward. Should I approach her, or is the bus creepy because it's a confined environment where we're both stuck? Should yeah. I just smile, or is that too vague or passive? Or should I forget about her and look somewhere else? This has been stumping me for a while. Now this, uh, it's, you know, um, what's the word? Social cues. Social cues. Social cues, you know. Yeah. It's a very good question. It's a very good question, and social cues are very hard for autistic people. Yeah. Just so, uh, so. By the way, they're not, you know, clearly they weren't that easy for Clarence Thomas either. They're, uh. Yeah. I don't know where why this went to Clarence Thomas, but I've I'm been sure. thinking about him lately. Okay. Uh, um, you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think that reading, the difficulty of reading social cues is in no way exclusive to uh, autistic people. That's absolutely true. Um, Although there may be cases where it's, you know, more pronounced, but I think we all are like, oh, I don't know. Is now, oh, you know, like. Did that come off as weird just there? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I I think that if I, I, let me just say, uh, John, that if I were on, if I were on a bus and uh, it's it, and, and I'd been seeing somebody on that bus every day. Well, right. Part of it is the fact that it's a, a, a re- you meet them regularly. Um, I think that that makes it a perfect opportunity, in fact, um, to say, uh, you know, hi, I'm John. Right. You know, uh, or, 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 you know. Or just ask a question like, uh, are you on your way to work or do you go, you know, are you on your way someplace to hang out? Yeah. 
On the airplane, I always use, are you on your way to work or vacation? That's my big... That's, that's your my gambit? Big, that's my big line. Do you have lines on an airplane? I do. Because yeah. I know that, like, knowing you, that, like, that first line, if somebody replies to you... No, they don't yeah, need they, an audio book from that point on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pretty much don't bother renting a headset. <laughs> right, because they've got you. They've yeah. got entertainment on the aisle. Uh, yeah, but I find that that's a good, Do you, you think know. John should, this is an idea of mine, do you think John should just kind of like put some of his cards on the table and say like, hi, look, I'm terrible at reading cues or anything, but I see you on this bus every day, and I thought I should say hi. I'm yeah, John. I think that. I think that's good. Yeah. I don't think you want to go like, you know, hi, hi, I'm John. I think you're really pretty. Would you like to go out with me? No, that's, that's I think not that's I, no. like, you know, unless. But it's, acknowledging the unless reality it's of the situation. it's a Greyhound bus and you're going all the way across the country. Right. But on a short commute, John, I would say, um, you know, just start with an introduction and keep the expectations low. Yeah. Because I'll tell you one thing that girls can feel sometimes. What? Um, is high expectations. High expectations. Yeah. They can feel pressured by high expectations. Oh, right. Like if John seems to want something a lot out of that that interaction, then it feels like, oh, wow, now now there's a lot of pressure on me to make a decision. Whereas if he were to say something like, hey, uh, we should just acknowledge the reality that we're on this bus together every day. Maybe we should know each other's names. Exactly. That's not a lot to ask unless her name is very hard for her to pronounce. Yeah. Here's another way, John, and I don't, you know, this is obviously entirely up to you, but, um, hi, I'm John. Do you listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the podcast? That could be a good way. (laughs) Yeah. Girls love that. Now it sounds like you're just trying to advertise our podcast one listener at a time. Not at all. That's exactly what that sounded like. Not not at all. It's like you wanted John specifically to to tell this person about our podcast. John, Adam's not going to let me say this. So if you know anybody else that might listen. <laughs> John, tell everyone you know about Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone. <laughs> All right. And uh, thank you, John. And thank yeah. you to everybody for writing in. Uh, you can, um, those are great questions. Those are great questions. You can continue to send in questions because we will take other vacations. So send them in to um, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone at... At gmail.com. No, See? We named that. At we, gmail.com. We are just geniuses. That's a clever handle. G- we didn't actually come up with gmail.com. Oh. The Cat of the Week is Butters from Utica, New York. Thank you, House Band Jorge Reyes. We can fix that in post. Yeah. If you have a question for Paula, email it to, as we said, nobody listens to Paula Bounce at gmail.com. That's where you can send your theme songs, too. We're not doing theme songs on this episode, but that's a great thing. Oh, yeah. We're not doing theme songs on this episode because we're on vacation. We're not even here right now. No, we're recording this via... Uh, not being. We're here. not in this room. No. Find uh, us on but Facebook. You guys though. can still yeah, send you can in send us. Uh, uh, theme songs. Uh, find us on Facebook. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. And follow me and Paula on Twitter. I love that idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. We're just going to sit here because there's a line oh, at the bottom sorry. of this. No. Oh, my God. You know, I'm so in the moment. Yeah, um, you are. I think we're done here, Adam. Yeah. Time for vacation. Vacation's all we ever wanted. I'll meet you on the beach, Paula. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita.
Oh, technical direction by Ray Horseman. Special thanks tonight to uh, tonight's house band, the inimitable Jorge Reyes. He plays around town with a lean Quinn and the leaping lizards. Our security guard at Ray Horseman Studios is Jonah Muscles Glickman. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.